You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. So before we start talking about Stranger Things Season 4, or just Stranger Things 4, I forgot they don't say season, it's just 4. I do have to get something off my chest here. All the haters out there who hate on this entirely, it's just nostalgia, it's just nostalgia. All right, let me explain to you when nostalgia is bad. Do you remember in Rogue One when the two guys who, who were from the uh, cantina scene in the original Star Wars were for no explanation whatsoever there on a completely different planet? A few days before those events occur, and you're like, wait, what? And they have literally nothing to do with anything except for make you to go, I recognize that, and it made the dopamine fire in my brain. That's what I would call bad nostalgia. That's just referencing. That's just Peter on Family Guy making a joke that's not funny in any way except for, oh, you recognize something that he referenced. That's bad. Good is what we used to call a period piece. Or a setting. <laughs> a setting. It's like, oh, it's just nostalgia. Look, they mentioned Ghostbusters. Yes, because trust me, I was that age at, the, at that year, and we mentioned Ghostbusters almost constantly. We still do. <laughs> we still do. <laughs> so if that's your reasoning, man, the problem is not Stranger Things. It's you and your weird resistance to anything other people seem to like too much. And I get it. It's not like Stranger Things is the best thing that's ever been made. Oh my God. Why do people, why won't people shut up about it? Because people like to talk about and be excited about things that, that are really good that they do enjoy. So you know what? Back off. You talk about whatever weird stuff you're into. I don't know if it's Major League Baseball or whatever it is. And we'll enjoy our Stranger Things. And you know what? I know me personally, I enjoy my Stranger Things. I'm Chris oh, yes. and joining me is Tessa. Hello. And Jenna. Howdy ho there, neighbors. It's been a while since we had uh, Stranger Things, you know, partially due to COVID, but we've seen these kids literally grow up. In fact, I think they're considerably older in real life than they're supposed to be on the show. I don't know why they didn't create a bigger time gap on the show, maybe, because there's points where, like, they're really trying hard to make them look young, to the point of giving one of them, like, the worst haircut imaginable, <laughs> just because you can look at <laughs> him, he's clearly kind of buff, <laughs> and they're like... <laughs> wearing these shirts to try and hide it you're like yeah okay but if i can suspend my disbelief for all the other wacky universe stuff going on in stranger things i certainly can suspend it for that when we meet these characters now it's in march 1986 only eight months after the events of the last season there's three different plot lines going on the first is in the town hawkins where everything where we've seen everything happen before where teenagers start getting killed in mysterious ways and much more mysterious than they were in previous ones and much more horrifying as they're literally levitated into the air and broken 
in multiple places. It's pretty terrifying and horrible. And some of the kids there are are still there. But Eleven, Will, and John have all been moved to California because they're like, fuck Hawkins. You can't really blame them. And they're there with the Winona Riders character, Joyce. They're dealing with their own stuff there, which notably becomes where Eleven basically gets abducted slash decides to go with Paul Reiser, who we saw in the previous seasons, one of the guys who worked at the facility, along with Matthew Modine, Papa, that she was, uh, you know, raised in initially that presumably gave her her abilities because she's lost her abilities and she can't figure out how to get them back. And she goes, well, better the devil, you know, I guess. Right. But the third plot line, <laughs> Joyce gets a package in the mail from Russia that leads her to believe that Jim, uh, David Harbour, Jim Hopper is still alive. And we know he is. If you stayed till the end of the credits in the previous <laughs> season, he is kept in a Russian gulag there for reasons, question mark. And so she decides along with, and I'm blanking on his name. Do you remember the name of the guy? Murray. Murray Bauman, that they're going to go out there however possible and rescue him. So those are the three storylines happening that will eventually, of course, sort of collide, but not really till the very, very, very end, almost the epilogue, really. The real big question here, and I think the centerpiece of attention is indeed the stuff going on in Hawkins, once again, where this thing that's killing people appears to be, for the first time, really a person from the under underneath, who the kids refer to as Vecna because they're Dungeons and Dragons nerds. And in D&D lore, Vecna is one of the all-time big bads. I think it was around this time that they first introduced him in D&D. And Vecna is really fucking scary. He's Panhead crossed with Freddy Krueger, crossed with a bunch of goop (laughs) and tentacles. 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 <laughs> See, that was bad nostalgia. That was me referencing Nutty Professor. But uh, I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed most things about this season. My only real problem is I think that the Russian sequence, you know, starts early on as we were starting to see stuff, what's going on in the gulag, and most of it is wildly unessential. It's not really till the very end of that sequence that stuff starts happening that's relevant at all. And I kind of wish they had shortened that and brought Hopper back into the fold of things earlier in the series. And even the 11 sequence, it feels while it's going on, why is this taking so long? But you get there and you eventually realize, oh, oh, that's why. (laughs) This is very relevant to the bigger storyline. Okay. You pretty much kind of summed up a lot of my feelings about season four. I will say I definitely enjoyed this more than season three, even though I like season three a lot. But I think my criticism stood where season three was definitely the setup for season four. So as much as I like this season more, I do appreciate the setup that they did because I don't think I would have enjoyed this season had I not sat through season three. My issue with Harper and Joyce is like, man, can we just see them have sex already (laughs) i just i you know i I was sitting there as a mom like yeah joyce is gonna finally get her time to de-stress because she stays stressed the hell out and uh you know didn't happen harper been sitting in that prison for how long and they finally meet and know nothing happened what is this but i do appreciate like how chris said this has less to do about nostalgia and everything to do about how you do a really well-written story great character arcs here even with dr brenner their relationship how that actually ended and how Eleven stepped into their own, and how they didn't really compromise with how she felt about him, which I was nervous 
about. I was mm. nervous that they were trying to make this character empathetic or make us feel some type of empathy for this character, Dr. Brenner. Yeah. That did not happen at all. Every character in this season has a pretty good arc that's fleshed out. They all step into their own. It's, it's literally like a coming of age story that although we've seen it done many times with it and <laughs> shout out to the Goonies. There was the Goonies reference I saw in there as well. Like they do reference to these 80s films and these themes, but they still managed to keep their core identity separate. So I really did appreciate just how they didn't fumble this because I was really nervous that they were going to just make it to where everything was either super predictable or that everybody was going to kumbaya at the end of the day. And I'm like, no, I'm ready to see a showdown. I'm ready to see like some good fight scenes in here. And I feel like that's what they're setting up for season five. So yeah, I'm also super stoked about season five. For some reason, I didn't know we were getting a season five. I'd heard some whispers about like a prequel movie that might get greenlit. I don't know. Season one, like they pulled really heavily from like E.T. and Stand By Me and season two was kind of like Gremlins, you know, three was like John Carpenter's The Thing and Chopping Mall. And then this one definitely had a lot of those Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser and Scanners sort of vibes to them, complete with monster with one overly clawed hand and he would like attack you in your own mind so definitely very nightmare on elm street not subtle they have robert england who played freddy krueger as a character who was the first person attacked by him who Mm -hmm. is instead of being killed is continued to be tormented in his dreams by the monster which were like ah apt we we see you there but yeah this season we have a whole slew of new characters that are introduced Chrissy, we got Eddie Munson and his uncle, and his uncle, I believe, is played by an actor who is in uh, Twin Peaks, uh, I want to say. I can't remember the gentleman's name at the top of my head. Uh, We have Argyle. We have uh, a slew of jocks that eventually kind of become stereotypical antagonists. And then some new lab staff that we hadn't been introduced to in previous seasons at the lab. And a school counselor. And some gulag prisoners, including the actor that plays like the fellow prisoner with Hopper. It took me forever to figure out who he was. Eventually, I realized, oh, I've seen him, but with long hair, he was a man has no name in uh, Game of Thrones. Jockin Hagar is how he's credited. I was very excited for this season. I think probably one of my main qualms is they overused one song that they got the rights to and just really went with it a little too much, I think. Which is a old Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill, which is a great song, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but Salt there's point like, okay, we get it. You were very happy you got the rights to that song. Whereas there's another song that gets played later I was much more excited about, which leads me to, of course, talking about Eddie, who is, I think, the MVP of this season. Unlike the sort of metalhead bad boy in the last season, who was, came to an unfortunate end, who was Max Mayfield's stepbrother, he's the good kind, even though still, you know, most of the town doesn't really trust him, but he's like the DM, the dungeon master for the kids who are still in Hawkins, and he's kind of a cool guy. I mean, he was the dude I was hanging out with when, I mean, I wasn't him, but he was definitely the guy I was hanging out with who actually was my DM as well. The actor who plays him, Joseph Quinn, I suspect this is a star-making turn for him. He's just so likable in this. I really like Max, who I thought was one of the strongest introductions of the last season. They give her a lot to do in this season by making her sort of a centerpiece for the horror. Everybody knows she's the one that Vecna is coming for, and so they're all sort of gathered around trying to protect her, and it gives her a lot more to do than she got to do in the last season, which is really cool, because I think that actress, uh, Sadie Sink, is terrific. 
I think we're all disappointed about there's Hopper, but Hopper is best when he's working off of everybody else. And this is just some other character played by the same actor in some ways. You don't really get much of the feeling of, oh, that's that Hopper we love. I mean, presumably now we'll get a shit ton more of them in the next season, whenever that is. I presume rel- relatively quickly because they'll be joining the AARP if they wait again like they did between <laughs> season three and four. <laughs> That and they also are, I heard, are doing The Talisman, which was the book that... Stephen King and Peter Straub? Yeah, but he was reading the book to Max in the hospital room. But I forgot the character's name. And he would be the only black character. (laughs) Yeah, it's Caleb. Shame on you. That's the actor's name. Um, But the character's name is Lucas. Thank you. Lucas Sinclair. Because I remember Erica. Erica was always top tier going to be my favorite character after that whole show. Second to Eddie. That was his little sister. You can't have America without Erica. I like that they gave her so much to do this season. And she is the I don't think so character. She's the one like, oh, no. She is like the one who puts up with no bullshit. And Mm -hmm. even though she's the youngest she backs it up lucas trying to fit in with the jocks he's kind of separate from everybody else in a way but you know learning his lesson that being popular ain't all that if the people you want to be in with are racist assholes yeah thank you for saying it chris i like that they really did cover that topic i think stranger things is able to handle type of social issues without being extra preachy but i do appreciate that they even acknowledge that and they acknowledge in a way that was grounded as well because all of the jocks they were like your stereotypical all right we know where you guys are headed i was really fearful of more of them than vecna because it's like at the end of the day when you go back to school you have to face them not vecna you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so as a student of color or the only black student in a predominantly white neighborhood in white school that in itself can be terrifying (laughs) so the fact that they actually touched upon that kind of uh, mob mentality that can happen it definitely gave me like those type of advisor like oh yeah he has to not only worry about Vecna but also about these guys who are after him as well I guess the most believable yet unbelievable and caricaturized part or characters in this were the police force in Hawkins while Hopper was gone they were so inept and were not able to like reel in that mob that just kind of started in that town hall they were not good at diffusing that situation at all it's like what are there two policemen in this entire town i think some of the cg de-aging they used a lot of here was a little wonky sometimes it looked okay sometimes it was like yeah that looks really uncanny valley uh we're almost there we're not quite there maybe y'all should give disney a call they seem to be figuring it out netflix (laughs) i mean like the flashbacks with 11 yeah when they make her look like she was when at the beginning of the series but overall i think it was really the horror elements of this and the fact this is by far the most horror driven of the seasons like significantly so and the the scariest that made me like this so much It really does get pretty fucking scary at points. Vecna is a horrifying villain. I was genuinely surprised when they come around and go like, oh, there is an explanation for what Vecna specifically is other than just the latest manifestation of the upside down verse. It kind of took me by surprise. I'm glad they gave you a break for a month 
to kind of like work that through your system before they brought out the last two episodes. I say episodes, like their movie length. Mm -hmm. That also, I guess, is kind of an issue. I don't mind that the episodes are long, but I hate when they're like, one is 45 minutes, one is two hours and 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, figure out some timing. I'm glad you brought that up too, because I I wasn't quite sure why that was done in that manner. And I was really upset because when I when they said, oh, come back July 1st, you know, I was like, okay, good. You know, I can get a, more, you know, about five, six episodes. And then I saw it and I was like, wait a minute, I need my fix and you're not giving it to me. Like, what is this, Netflix? Along with Kate Bush, like, they had some really good needle drop moments in this season. It was kind of amazing. Some songs by, like, the Mamas and the Papas, the Cramps, Extreme. Detroit Rock City by Kiss, which was during that D&D, like, basketball montage that was, like, done so well. You Spin Me Right Round, Baby Right Round, like a record. Uh, Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. We got Creedence Clearwater, like, Journey, Metallica. They have a pretty solid lineup of music for this season. And well used, if not a little overused for that one particular Kate Bush song, as we said before. Uh, but I also want to point out, I really liked what they did with Maya Hawke's character this season, Robin. Rather than getting into a relationship with the character you assume she's going to earlier, in fact, she has come out fully as gay, and they're just best friends. And they talk about the fact that in the 80s, you couldn't just come out. I mean, you could, but you're in a small town like Hawkins. There's no telling what could happen, mm-hmm. right? And her dealing with that, plus her fear of like, you know, like there's somebody she really likes, but she's absolutely terrified. What if she tells her she likes her and then she's one of those people who tells everyone like, ha ha, she's gay and hit on me. That would be an issue. And this, you know, really starts to deal with that. And I thought it was, uh, it made the season much more rounded. Everybody has a little bit to do in terms of their own arcs, but I thought hers was one of the most significant. Will, he clearly is gay, right? And they never go there. They never actually dive into it. You're like, every time he's looking at his best friend who's who's with Eleven, he's like, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, so let's have this out. <laughs> they heavily code it and they make it subtle when him and Eleven are going to school and they have their things where they have to talk about their heroes his was alan turing and so that was kind of like a hat tip there famously closeted gay man Mm -hmm. like he would be held up as a major hero today if Mm -hmm. we uh if he hadn't been outed towards the end of his life and it ruined his career there we may not have won world war ii if it wasn't for that guy so i kind of like the comparison here well let's go to final thoughts tessa why don't you continue into yours we didn't even get to talk about special effects it was like Eight and a half hours for that Vecna suit that was all practical, except for they CGI'd the writhing and pulsing of the tentacly bits on it. And then they just slathered the poor guy in KY jelly. And anytime someone shook his hand, they just came away with like a greasy hand. It was just so gnarly. I, this is so well-rounded. All the storylines tied back into each other pretty well. And even though some of the characters were far away, they still were able to tie in a way for them to help, even remotely due to the whole creature hive mind thing, which is really smart. This is yet another solid season of everyone's favorite sci-fi, horror, adventure, 80s, nostalgia, sweetheart. And I would give this 9.5 out of 10 corroded corpse shows. What about you, Jenna, Vecna's parole officer? <laughs> yes, yes. Somebody got to reel that guy in. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I have to agree with Chris about the villain of this story. I very much love villains um, because I am one myself. <laughs> and uh, 
I was worried that they would either overdo it on his backstory and try to get us to, again, make him out to be an empathetic character or just give him like a one note, one trick kind of pony villain where there's just not much to his motivations. And they did neither. They found the right amount of balance to make him menacing enough, but also just not like this overly intellectual villain like we see nowadays. Uh, and I think it's because of Vecna's relationship with Eleven, with the entire Upside Down and all the characters and how everything came full circle and just how well written this entire narrative is that you get so immersed and so invested in these characters that it does go beyond nostalgia. It does go beyond just, oh, we're just liking a show because it's popular. It's just a very well-written, well-structured narrative. And it's a breath of fresh air compared to what else is on Netflix. And no shade, once this season five is done, your girl's canceling her membership. Because so, <laughs> I only kept my Netflix membership because of Stranger Things. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> and Umbrella Academy, those, that's yeah. it. Once those mm-hmm. shows go off, I'm pretty much like, what do you have for me? If you are a fan of Stranger Things, you've been here since season one, this is the type of season and I'm pretty sure season five will bookend it very well where you can watch it from start to finish and you'll just never really get tired of it or you'll find something new. I really do wish they actually gave Will more to do because I know he's going to be such a centerpiece in season five just because of his direct link to the Upside Down. But I do wish they would have explored his uncomfortableness and ability to fully express himself because again, from season one, he's always kind of been the odd one out. He's the one who went actually through the most trauma. But apart from that, I actually have zero complaints other than just the run times of these episodes. And that's pretty much it, which is not very usual of a Netflix show. Again, I'm here with Tessa. I give this a 9 out of 10 times. I just want it max to, like, make it. (laughs) There's no spoilers because we're so far into the week. We don't know she didn't make it. We don't know. In fact, I can tell you with confidence she'll be back next season. I hope so, yeah. But Max was my favorite. And I got the name of mine wrong. It's Corroded Coffin, not Corroded Corpse. Whoops. <laughs> I think we agree on a lot of stuff. I did feel the unevenness of it a little bit more than I think you guys did. All the Russia stuff just kind of bored me until the last like episode of it. And then you're like, okay, then you get to see Hopper with a broadsword fighting demigorgons. Like, come on, that's cool. I think that there's a moment in here where they're trying to like send Eleven in to help psychically that kind of has the, what I call the save Tinkerbell effect. Like, if we all get together and let her know that we love her it will give her strength and she will come back i I fucking hate that it's such an old cliched bit and it always makes me cringe a little bit but whatever i mean it's not totally egregious here there's more to love than there is not in the season and for me it really pointed a lot of my favorite things about the 80s that i really enjoyed it made me feel right there again I'm going to give this eight and a half out of 10 evils that are defeated by the power of rock. Yes. (laughs) Rock and roll. Death by stereo. Season five should have like tenacious D time travel in to help save the day. Don't get me excited like that, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) A long time ago, me and my brother time traveled down a long and lonely road. (laughs) 